0: Reveille, Reveille, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Well, hi, everybody. I don't even know what the date is. I think it's Thursday, May 14th, 2020. And it is time for Morning Combat Extra. Huh? A little extra MK in extra, your life. Baby. Uh, my name is Luke Thomas. I'm one half of this hosting duo. You know, the gentleman on the other side of the screen, you probably have DM'd him very, very horrific things. It is the one and only Brian Campbell. Uh, hold on, Brian. Why are we hearing the feed all of a sudden, 15 seconds later? This is more of a Jay problem than a me problem. Jay, we can hear the feed from 15 seconds ago. It's real bad. Yeah, we're maybe, live, maybe guys. not do that. Yeah, no, I, can't, Please I can't don't hear do it. That.
1: I can't hear it. All right. Uh, look oh, we God. wanted to we wanted to uh okay.
0: yeah Luke it's actually yeah, on yeah, you. On. this is
1: great guys this is great why don't we, why don't we start over at the top oh we're live we're live all right <clears throat> Well Luke, I'll take it from here uh yeah look morning combat's so good you know we wanted to to give you this taste a go. second time this week just get it on the lips it's just oh man you know uh and the fight schedule helped us do that this week Luke as we're in the midst of uh, UFC's ambitious. Uh, eight Crazy Nights, three fight cards from Jacksonville. How you feeling? We stayed up late last night. We're up early this morning. I can still see some crust in your eye. I bet yeah. you're very ornery. How you feeling, LT? Yeah, I,
0: I look like trash. I look terrible. My daughter didn't sleep at all. Uh, it was, you know, it was. she threw up in the middle of the night. I
1: can't, I can't hear the guy. I mean, this uh, is great. Was, this is great uh, theater. Oh, hold
0: okay. on, hold on, hold on. Here we go. There you can hear me now. You wow. should be able to hear me just fine. We had, we had two technical snafus, but we're okay. Uh, to answer your question, I feel like ass. Uh, my daughter threw up in the middle of the night, and I didn't sleep, so it was a bit of a rough one. But I gotta tell you, I did stay up. I did watch the fights. I do have. I was gonna do a post-fight show on my YouTube channel last night, and I just decided, you know what, I'm gonna save all the goodness for this one. And I just, so I didn't do it because I want to make sure I came fresh. Let me just explain what today's gonna be hap- uh, gonna, like. What this is gonna be about today. Morning combat on Mondays is where we do like you know we have all the different graphics and we have the DMs from Donks and have you seen this shit and everything else. Today we're gonna have just a fight discussion, sort of looser, but we're gonna recap everything that we saw. We're gonna preview, I guess, the next UFC Jacksonville card. I guess we're calling them all, uh, all UFC Jacksonville. Um, so, without further ado, BC, let's sort of get to it if we can. of the technical snafus are behind us, and by the way, I have to I have to apologize. That was my error. It wasn't Jay's. So
1: thank you, thank you. you know. At least somebody got the score right. Yes, it's a MK Ultra bare bones stripped down. Luke, you can call this a power hour of fury. Remember, you used to make those cassette tapes back in the day. Sixty minutes, one minute oh. of each song. You know, shot up beer? Ever,
0: you ever done a power hour?
1: Damn right. That gets you. That gets you. Uh, yeah. Tuned it up. Gets you. Gets you looking like Anthony Smith, but uh, Mark Montoya would still send you out to finish the tape. <laughs>
0: You ever done a century? No. You never done 100 minutes? No,
1: no, no. I thought you know. I thought that was, yeah, yeah. No, I've done so, that. You,
0: know.
1: you Marines, you get down, you know?
0: Centuries, yep. Uh, okay, let's start with this. So I'll just go through the results here if we can, BC. Let's just start and work our way down. Uh, the main card I thought was more interesting than the, the, the prelim card by a fairly wide margin. So we'll spend most of our time there. Let's get to the fight itself and then the controversy afterwards, B.C., because otherwise we'll just spend the whole time talking about the lack of an early stoppage or a timely stoppage, I should say. So Glover Teixeira defeats Anthony Smith at 104 of the fifth round. Okay, so here was my read on this, B.C. I thought Smith came out on fire. He had a sort of a look in his eye. He was kind of mouth breathing a little bit when they introduced him, and he was sticking and moving. He was popping Teixeira. His takedown defense was on point, and he was always finding like good angles. And he he found his distance early. They, they are ostensibly they both have a seventy six inch reach. It looked to me like Smith was a little bit longer, and he was keeping Teixeira at the end of him, and he wouldn't like crash into him and then miss opportunities. He was. Being real disciplined, you know about his about his range management. But Glover Teixeira is a badass dude. He's such a great fighter. He's such a talent. Forty years old. I, I had said this before the fight had started. I looked it up. Um, Smith is thirty one years of age, so he's nine years younger than Teixeira. Now he's got double the losses of Teixeira, but heading into last night's fight, he also had two more wins than him. So it's pretty impressive for for um, you know the kind of uh, wild career that Smith has had. But Teixeira, man, forty years of age. I, we talk about it all the time. BC, which is at heavyweight, you got a lot of older dudes up there because the young guys come up and they they can't push him out. May, maybe Teixeira is the last of the Mohicans, but he's beaten Laba, Serkinov. He beat Smith. He's beaten a lot of younger guys trying to be that next, you know, foray into the uh, the, the next generation. He is a damn impressive 40-year-old man, is he not?
1: Luke, uh, yeah, come after him. He's a man. He's 40. But the key here is that I think he's lost the ego. He never stopped trying to work and improve. And you heard him in that post-fight interview talk about... It was about the diet. It was about going to the Performance Institute in Vegas with the UFC and really trying to figure out what he was doing wrong. He ended up finding that he was overtraining. He said, you know, back in 2014 when he went the full distance with Jon Jones, he was young and dumb. He didn't understand the game. This is a credit to a guy who came in in tremendous shape but was really humble enough to look at his career Look at that he was aging, starting to go in that other direction, becoming more of a gatekeeper, and he's figured out a way to reinvent himself. And Luke, he had to walk through his own bit of fire. You mentioned off the top how Lionheart really had the perfect attacking game plan. Not only was he relying on his speed and distance, the feints were making him look explosive off the start. But as we know in this game, you know, one fight can change it completely. One punch, I'm sorry, can change a fight completely. It ended up being two punches. You know, the left hook, or I'm sorry, the, the shot that seemed to irritate Smith's eye and then that left hook that dropped him. And, you know, from the end of that second round on, it was it was all Glover Teixeira. And then, of course, you had that unfortunate car wreck, which was the fact that that Teixeira never quite committed to going to the finish, for the finish, and that Smith was too tough, too able for his own good in that moment where guys normally get finished, that he was able to elongate his time in there. And I think you saw that tweet of what he ended up texting ESPN's Ariel Hawani, which was a broken everything, Luke. I mean, teeth falling out, broken orbitable nose, on and on. I mean, the guy just took a shellacking... I think it's time to put Coach Mark Montoya on trial, Luke, because this ain't one or twice. This is now three times, Luke. Three times, okay? My, not so, wait, so, like so, so hold on, three just to clarify. Times, it,
0: Luke. The three times, Luke. The three would be, arguably, it'd be Eric Anders versus Khalil Roundtree. It'd be this one. Oh, I didn't one. even
1: consider that one. I didn't even well, have that on my list, Luke. I had Thomas Gifford getting sent to hell way unnecessarily, and correct me if Mike I'm wrong, Davis. but isn't Rocky Pennington on that list too?
0: I thought that was Jason Lutz.
1: I will correct myself if I was wrong on that, but, you know, you adding another one in there, not one, not two, but three. um, MMA seems to be more apt to let fighters hang out there amidst trouble than boxing, maybe because boxing's got a history of deaths in the ring. So, you know, you see quicker stoppages, but come on, somebody had to be the adult in the room there. And I'm not even sure referee Jason Herzog isn't, you know, under some level of scrutiny to to just be like, this man's not coming back. He's not going to win this fight.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. So the three that I'm aware of were Khalil Roundtree just absolutely demolishing Eric Anders, and him just being sent out there, like no one really saying, all right, enough's enough. Now, that was a three-round fight. That was not, you know, I don't think the brain damage consideration was nearly as present, but okay, so that would be one. The Pennington one, I'm pretty sure is Jason Lutz, or Lutz, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, former Lehigh wrestler. And then, uh, obviously, last night was really bad. And the Thomas Gifford one was real. I mean, Mike Davis was tuning him up. In fact, that loss was so bad, he got bounced from the organization as a consequence. And then last night, was uh, I was shocked. I was legitimately shocked. I mean, there's so many angles to this, right? You know, did you ever watch the fight? We, we were in Baltimore together for the um, Gervonta Davis fight, maybe a week after Maxim Dadashev had died in uh, the National Harbor in Prince George's County. Did you actually watch the Datashev fight? Yes. Dude, Datashev was way more competitive than Smith was late, and they still threw the towel on that guy. And his corners t- tried to save him, and it was too little too late, it appeared. I honestly, you know, you listen to Mark Montoya, who I've had him on my show a million times. I like, as a here's what's so funny about it, dude. Like, you ever talked to Mark before, ever in your life? No. Dude, he is smart, he is kind, he is thoughtful, he is rational. He is like he, you get a really warm vibe from the guy when he talks. To me, I think everyone has the wrong idea. They want to string this guy up and they want to string that guy up and I'm not here to defend Mark's decision there. I think he was I mean, I mean crazy wrong. But to me, dude, I don't know what they're looking for. I don't know what they're waiting for. And they do a lot of talking and generalities about like, oh, he was still in the fight. What does that mean he was in the fight? He was conscious. You know, he was, you know. uh,
1: Look, you do have to add that element that I mentioned that, Glover just didn't commit to going for the finish. And if at any point, especially the two times he had full mount but wasn't able to finish it, he never committed to just going with 15 straight, you know, hammer shots to force Herzog to hook it. Now, look, that's easier said than done when you're on top and you can tell that Anthony Smith might still be in the fight, might still be game. Glover doesn't want to gas himself out. He's aware that this is a five round fight and he's 40 years old. I get that. I'm not blaming him for smith getting you know more damage because as you saw in that little exchange they had which was interesting to hear the, the microphones pick up where glover was like look i'm sorry this is you know this is the business basically this is this is what happens but you felt like he could have finished that in round three if he had really committed to it and it's just it's just unfortunate luke i mean in boxing you tend to get now look it's different the gloves are padded more there's more long-term damage in boxing from taking so many shots but you always sort of see the, the the first time you see a guy really wobbly or on, you know, queer street, as they say, more often than not, these days, the referees are jumping in. And I know that's angering certain fans, but you don't want to leave a guy sort of defenseless and half in the bag to get hurt more. I feel like in MMA, that's that's just part of it. You know, a guy will sit on your chest when you're in that mode and just just swing away at you. And, you know, you don't want to go too far in sanitizing the sport. Look at the NFL right now. Passing records getting broken left and right. You know, the quarterbacks are staying healthy, though, but it's a totally different game. But that's got to be on the coach to just be like, even if he wins this, it's not going to be worth the damage he's going to take.
0: And here's the other part about it. Everyone's like, what about referee Jason Herzog? And I'm like, well, he could have stopped it. I mean, sending Smith out for that last round, I don't understand that at all. When he went back to that stool, that was the time to be like, sorry. And then it was the round before that, where Herzog should have said to him, and you see this in boxing all the time. If a guy's getting tuned up and it was getting a little dicey, the referee, will, when the guy goes back to his corner, will say, son, you need to show me something or I'm going to wave this off. Okay? That's the official warning from the referee. You need to do something here. He should have said that to him, I guess, after the third. they sent him out to the fourth. So, I mean, it stopped, the fight was stopped in the fifth, right? Yeah. So... After the fourth, that, he should have never gone back out there. They should have never happened. That, that fight was completely over. And this weird thing that happens where, where people are like, oh, he was still in the fight. There was a chance he could win. We've seen people come back. Like, dude, yeah. Uh, at any point, even a guy badly rocked probably could or, um, could conceivably come back. But you have two sort of scenarios you're facing. One is an extraordinarily unlikely but possible comeback. The other one is, and it is significantly more likely, they're going to take unnecessary abuse. And when I say more often than not, I mean virtually every time, it is they're going to take unnecessary abuse. There is this holdout for, oh, well, it could happen. And it usually, and when I say usually, I mean almost always, never does. It is They are waiting for a ship that is not coming in. And as a consequence, they are making a calculation that ultimately ends up getting their fighters shirt. You mentioned the tweet yeah. that Scott Ariel Hawani had... Smith
1: ain't coming through that door, Luke, okay?
0: Yeah, well, you had mentioned the tweet that Ariel Hawani had put out. He had, according to uh, Anthony Smith, had texted him... He had a broken orbital, a broken nose, a cut under one of his eyes, and then two missing teeth. Initially, Montoya had told Fredo Komodo was just veneers, which still would not be great. But it was but actually it not. Two they te- were
1: real teeth. Yeah, yeah,
0: one in the back and one in the front. He lost two different kinds of teeth. And
1: he told and look, sorry to interrupt you. He told Montoya before round five, I, "I my teeth are getting knocked out." And if you saw his body language, which you did on the cameras, and nobody had a closer view than Montoya, that's a that's a hurt man. And look. There's sometimes that justification that, well, it's a title fight. Send Rocky Pennington back out there. This may be the only chance in her career. She can rally. I understand having more of a hook, right? That's why Brock Lesnar was allowed to continue at the end of round one against uh, Shane Carwin It's a title fight, right? Josh Rosenthal. Roll, roll me up one, by the way. Um, but this is look. I get this fight is is pivotal. You know, Smith wins this; he's right back in title contention. He loses it; he goes back to the line. Well, he he may have lost three years to his career in this fight, Luke. That's just the way it is. Okay, some things will never change. But come on, Montoya, you're on the hook right now. You're on the hook.
0: Yeah, I, I mean we've said this before on the show. It's worth reiterating. Boxing is more sensitive to this because they they've just seen the worst of it. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen when Mark Montoya is cornering someone. That's not what I'm saying. But eventually with this kind of an attitude, someone's gonna get killed. You know, someone's gonna get killed, someone noteworthy, someone people like. If he's gonna come he or she is gonna come from a good team with a good coach that's well respected and successful, and they're gonna either get killed or they're gonna be put into a coma or they're gonna have irreparable and significant life altering brain damage. It is it is just inevitable, essentially, at this point. And
1: I mean look, we we, we celebrated Tony Ferguson's uh- Toughness last Saturday, his ability to to not only take that damage, but actually like stay in the game plan and still try to win. But, you know, in hindsight, Luke, that could have been one of those fights, to be honest with you. And I know that's an interim title fight. Tony Ferguson's got a track record, all that. I'm not saying that fight should have necessarily been stopped either, although you easily could have and it would have been justified. But um that's a fight that could have led to one of those scary moments that you're talking about. It's it's it is what it is, right? I mean, you can only put so much lipstick on this damn pig. But you do have to be as smart as you possibly can because unlike boxing with the way the fight is set up, you don't get that 10 seconds to uh, you know, gain back your, your, your sense and, and, and clear the cobwebs. That 10 seconds is spent on your back with a guy sitting on your chest pounding you.
0: Right. The last thing on this, um, I suspect that you know Smith works at SiriusXM. I, I suspect um, you know, he's a colleague, but I suspect when he finally does talk to the media, he will defend it. You know, uh, they all they all do because they don't want to throw their coach under the bus unless they really feel like they were done wrong. But I want to say this is not like the COVID debate where it's MMA media on one side and others on the other one. It was it was I'm not saying it was unanimous, but it was across all groups that you saw fans, media, fighters. Cormier was incensed about it. This was not one where it was different yes. segments of of MMA society against each other. It was a clear coalition being built there, if you know what I mean. You
1: nailed it. Everyone on their timeline has like those super tough guys, the just bleed guys. They could be journalists. They could be fans who are like, you know, don't change this sport. Let them go back out there. Even those guys, Luke, were like, what the hell is happening here?
0: All right, so let me ask you where does Glover Teixeira go from here? What do you think?
1: I think he's one big win away from a title shot. And this light heavyweight division, look, it's gotten really interesting out of nowhere, Luke. John Jones cleaned it out twice. I was pushing for him to go to heavyweight because there was nothing left. Fulfill your destiny, John. It's your density. No, um, but suddenly when you've got Dom Reyes who's deserving, Jan Blahowicz who's deserving, uh, Maheta is coming back. He's going to be knocking on that door. And now you got to refurbish Glover to share. It's fun. I feel like you maybe give him a coming back Tiago Santos. Maybe if you're going to use the Reyes rematch next for John, which we don't know yet, then you give him Blahowicz. Either way, He's one, he's in it. Glover's one big win away, and that's crazy uh, a year ago because he had three of those four comeback wins in 2019 alone, and in 2018, you never would have guessed this for Teixeira, but Luke, he's in this.
0: Yeah, When he lost to Corey Anderson, I thought, okay. You know, Corey Anderson, I went back and I rewatched that fight yesterday in preparation for the main event. That was a phenomenal performance for Corey Anderson, but I thought, okay, here's the changing of the guard, right? This this is new replacing old, because he was thoroughly controlled in that fight in every which way. I was like, wow, okay, it's finally happening. And then he just comes, claws his way back. So here's my answer. If they go with the Reyes rematch for Jones, Blahovich to Shara. If they go with Blahovich jones then you go Reyes to number one contender goes up there. Because the thing about Tiago Santos is, I don't necessarily want to exclude him uh, in the way that it makes it sound like I am, but he did have a devastating series of injuries. I'm just saying, give the guy one more to give it to to Shira, having come on a four fight win streak against the guy who's been off for you know probably well over a year at that point. To me, seems a little bit much, but okay, we can the Corey Anderson
1: Maheta, that's some good ass matchmaking.
0: Love that one too. That's a great real cl- contrast of styles there. All right, so Ben Rothwell defeats Ovin St. Preux, split decision, 29-28. Any strong takeaways from this one? It was kind of a weird fight, yeah? It was. I mean,
1: look, at the end of the day, this was an experiment for OSP at heavyweight. I thought physically, you know, when he walked in the cage, he looked good. He looked rock. He looked solid. You had the belief that he could have speed and athleticism advantages that really might revitalize his career. You might say, well, maybe he should have been a heavyweight the whole time. Uh, Not on this night, Luke. Um, You know, I don't want to disrespect the guy because you know he did land some shots late he was able to push this to a split decision but you know he's circling back and running the whole fight and i and i don't doubt that he was surprised by rothwell's hand speed and by just the overall craftiness of that absolute hairy weirdo and i say that with love and respect the guy's real weird but he's also a really crafty fighter if you're going to leave the door open and to see osp essentially running the whole time i know that's a filthy casual take to watch that fight and say oh he's running Well, he was running, Luke. That was not a good performance. Um, I'm not saying you should close the door on the experiment as OSP's team was sort of doing a wait-and-see approach, but, you know you felt like there were times he could have dug in and made it a fight in a brawl. And when you're matching weapons against Rothwell, he may have a bigger variety of weapons, but I'm not sure he has any weapon to match the, the, the type of strikes OSP maybe could have landed. Now I'm asking a guy to stand in there and risk damage, but I would have think that was a better outcome than to, to run and lose a decision.
0: So I saw Ben Rothwell went on the ESPN plus post-fight show and he spoke to Megan Levy, And, you know, you see all these articles come out being like how the fighters are training with the pandemic. And so many of them, virtually all of them, are putting on a happy face. It's like, yeah, I've always wanted to train over Zoom with my coach as my brother-in-law held pads for me. (laughs) This has always been the best scenario for me. And you're like, okay, I doubt that, but whatever. I mean, you know fighters are going to put on a happy face and they're going to not give excuses because that's the way that they are. And then after a, a fight, especially when they lose, here they come. So he won. Uh, but what he was saying was, and he has a gym in his own like uh, property, a full gym, like heavy bags and rolling mat, mat, you know, mats and everything. And he was saying, he didn't give actual specifics, BC, but he said that April was the most challenging training environment, or training month of his life. It had never been so chaotic, it had never been so difficult, and he said that's even with all of the resources that I already have. He didn't go into detail about what that was, maybe it was an injury or something too, that compounded problems, but... He sort of suggested that was just not where he wanted to be. So he's he made it about a bigger picture from his UFC return, which we'll talk about in just a second. In terms of OSP, I don't even know what to make of this one. The guy's been in the game for a long time. He's got 40 fights, basically, you know, and I actually called one of them when he fought in Washington, D.C. He's athletic. He's talented. He's a little bit older than people realize. OSP is sitting at 37. So a move to heavyweight in that sense makes sense. He's lost three of his last four. But, you know, he fought a bunch in 2018 and had some good wins. So it's like he still catches people who make mistakes with sort of interesting, sometimes silly stuff. The win over Corey Anderson was beautiful. Uh, I don't read too much into it for him. For Rothwell, coming back...
1: He played to his uh, his poor stereotypes of being a fighter that doesn't do enough in there.
0: Yeah, but he also just like... He still, like, here's the thing. He always seems, like, off balance with his footwork at times, you know? He's kind of, like, stumbling like a newborn deer a little bit. But when he has his moments, he's got good power. He's got good speed. He could put some combinations together. Like, those things are there. It's just, there's just a lot of, I don't know, weirdness built into everything. He, and he also and, catches a lot of people like when they make mistakes, like the armbar in Tyson Pedro or the Von and he, Yeah, Pluto he dropped choker.
1: Rothwell briefly when it looked like he was falling out of the fight. He landed a big shot. And, and just to piggyback on what you mentioned about Rothwell being honest about how hard this was, you do want to understand that, you know, even me criticizing OSP here, This could have been his absolute worst training camp ever given the situation. We talked a lot heading into these three fight cards, Luke, about what this unprecedented situation of the pandemic would do to the fights. Now, largely the fights have been really exciting and we've seen the truly elite guys be able to sort of get close or right there to what they're able to do. But obviously there's going to be guys who are just like, man, that that's not normal what I went through. And I had to take this fight because I had to pay the bills. So I do want to give right. that cushion in there that maybe OSP couldn't carry that heavyweight weight. And maybe, you know, his gas tank was troubled throughout.
0: Yeah. I just feel like Ben Rothel's had a really weird comeback. So we had that fight against Dos Santos where he was basically just, you know, Dos Santos was better that night in Croatia in 2016, three years away he come. He comes back and he fought Blagoy Ivanov. I thought he won that fight, but he lost it. Then he fought Orlovsky, and it was just a uh, gross, not great. And then he beat Stefan Struve, but you know the guy got kicked in the balls seventy five thousand times. And then he fought. <laughs> and then he fought Ovin Saint Prue, and he won. And he deserved to win. When they announced the split, I was like, oh, here we go. He deserved to win, but you know I just feel like Rothwell in this sort of last chapter here of the UFC run. He's trying to get the car into like third and fourth and fifth gear. And he's having moments where, you know, you can feel the transmission maybe getting you there, but he's having a little bit of problems with it as well. You know, and him, let's see how old he is here. He is 38 years old. You know, it's going to be kind of hard. Um, How
1: sad is it though? And by the way, shout out to Rothwell for the win and shout out to what Alexio Olenek did against Fabricio Verdun. But how sad is it when you get a win in a co-main event and you're like, with all due respect, I'd love to call out Alexio Olenek. And you're like, oh. Okay, you can yeah, sure you can have him. You sure, don't like that good. fight? I mean, I do, and I actually really like Alexei Olenek and have been a fan of his rise. It's just sort of like that was like a wow. No, I'm not saying uh, hey, you should have <laughs> been like Stepe, call me, but still, it was uh, it was yeah, okay. Yeah.
0: I, I like it because it's two old dudes, two old bears, you know, wrestling for dominance of the campsite, and they're gonna slug it out probably in inadvisable ways, and it's gonna be great. Plus. Both have a sort of a funny and unique capacity to sub- be able to submit anyone. You know, Olenek has submitted the, you know a lot of people, obviously, and uh, Josh Barnett got submitted by Ben Rothwell. He almost had a 10-figure guillotine on OSP yesterday. So, you know, they, they, they're, they're old, crafty vets, probably a little long, well, definitely a little long in the tooth. I, I, I Who are you going to call out? You're going to call out, you know, I don't know, it's, it's a, you a top called contender at this point?
1: Let me make a matchup Monday for you, Luke. Uh, drop me off at a gas station in Kenosha. Ben Rothwell and I looking at the that ro- the rollers of tornadoes. Who's coming out of there? Uh, uh standing with the full belly. I think I could take him.
0: Yeah, I don't. I think it'd be a very bad night for you. Uh, so let's go to this one. You take it away, BC. Drew Dober defeating Alexander Hernandez, four twenty-five of the second round. I loved everything about it. Give me your biggest takeaway from the fight.
1: Yeah, Drew Dober is the biggest, head, the second biggest headline, I'm sorry, after Glover Teixeira of this fight card. Uh, this was a rise up. Now, look, he's in the lightweight division. It, it's, it's all killer, no filler. So you're going to need even more than three consecutive wins all by knockout to really crack that code. But look, Al, uh, Hernandez is a tough out man. You know, I don't think he was as bad as the performance ultimately showed against Cowboy. I thought he was a little bit too cocky there. You look at his track record, he's a confident, tough out, and he was fairly game in this one, but Drew Dober's evolution as a striker is so evident he didn't have this type of pop and and speed and relentlessly like he's putting the full package together is what i'm saying luke and and he's got the quickness at southpaw he punches and flurries um and it's just really with the confidence was what jumped out to me he's looking like a guy who who believes he's ready for for big business and for him afterwards to respectfully say look give me some names now like give me paul felder and to see uh, felder you know sit in cage side go yeah, I think I'd do that. Uh, I think I'd watch that, Luke. Uh, Drew Dober has a uh, very interesting ceiling potential here. I mean, as you know, good-looking guy, can talk, but he's starting to put it together, and that's key.
0: Drew Dober started out in the UFC and even for a while maintained kind of a reputation as a guy who definitely deserved to be here, but was sort of the guy you would see at the beginning of cards or on the prelims on ESPN or Fox Sports, whatever the time frame was. You might see him on European cards fighting their next up-and-coming guy. They're trying to see if they're good or not. And that was sort of, for a while, it seemed, his ceiling. And that's not the worst place to be, but you just thought that might be as good as it gets for him. And slowly but surely, man, that guy has really improved. I put him up there for one of the most improved fighters currently right now in the UFC in terms of where they started to where they have arrived And there's plenty of time left for him to even get better than he already is. He is only 31 years of age and has not taken a ton of damage. Now, he doesn't have a ton of losses, but the losses that he had were the kind where you're like, oh, you're not ready for this level. So, for example, the two that stand out, although there are some other ones, were uh, Olivier aubin Marcier and then Benil Dariush. Funnily enough... Those are guys that Alexander Hernandez had defeated. Uh, he had stopped, in fact, Benil Darius and he had out-wrestled uh, Aubin Marcier. And so you thought, wow, man, this is a really interesting matchup for virtue of that reason. And it, yes, the the, the Hack Parast win was nice and the Polo Reyes win was nice, but he hasn't really turned the corner. Wow, dude, he looked great yesterday. Unbelievable. And you know what really stuck out to me was he had a good game plan to start and it was working. And then he came out in the second round and he made an adjustment, which was he really confined the space, and he found the, the the combinations that were working better. And he was all over Hernandez like white on rice. And it didn't really matter where the fight went, except when he was on his back. And even then, you saw him get, get taken to his back once and then get out. Hernandez tried again and he immediately separated. He was learning on the fly, he was making adaptations. He's already come all this way. He's a devastating puncher, very accurate. Uh, He uses Southpaw really well to his effect. He makes good use of range. He wasn't afraid at all of the opportunity or the challenge. I was blown away by Drew Dober last night. He really has forced everybody. Two performances in a night, uh, uh, back-to-back fights. I think he has forced everyone to reconsider just how good he is. I'm very happy for the guy. Because, I mean, he was who he was fighting. I mean, he beat uh, Jamie Varner back in 2014, but that was when Varner was on the decline. He had a weird fight against Leandro Silva. He lost to Escudero. Uh, he got some wins over Jason Gonzalez and Josh Berkman. Those are nice. And John Tuck, but then he lost to Dariush. You know what I mean? Like Every time he was making some progress, he'd fall short when he went up against a really ranked or named guy. Um, unbelievable job by him. Now, brings us to Hernandez. Man, ah, what a weird spot for his career, right? He comes out of the gate storming BC, beating Dariush, beating Hernandez, beating some other ones. And then he goes up against Cowboy, and it blew up in his face because he called him Day Drinking and Don. He did get the rebound win against Francisco Trinaldo, but that was very controversial, and he fought it backing up the whole time. He fought this one mostly backing up the whole time too, and he lost. It sh- you could argue it should be three losses in a row. What's happened to Alexander Hernandez?
1: You know, you wonder if it if it is a confidence thing. I, I mentioned he was in here, and there were moments he was able to absorb big moments from Dober and kind of make nice adjustments. I thought, you know, his defensive jab was really at, at some point was able to, to let him get back into the fight leading up to the stoppage. He started to land some combinations off of that. He does hit hard. He didn't have the speed of Dober and, and that ended up being a big part of his problem. But you do have to wonder if, uh, you know, when you're rising up and you're entering into that cowboy fight and you're ready to make your splash and you're all invincible and all, you know, all veril. Uh, and then you get, you get neutered in there, Luke, and it takes time. So, um, you know, he's lucky it's not three straight defeats, but he's still got to figure out who he is in there. But I, I think he's got the tools. I'm not ready to, um, commit to him. Like I am Kevin Lee, future UFC champion and, and, you know, and, and die on that hill. Not dead yet, by the way. Uh, but you know, I believe in him.
0: Yeah. Here's the thing for, for me and Hernandez. It, he like the Dariush win was a curse. Because it like all of a sudden you're like who's the guy who knocked out Benil Darius? you shoot do that you know people don't just not I mean Edson Barboza can knock him out that's like that kind of a fighter can knock him out and then he beat Albin Marcia and you're like and he did it wrestling it's a little bit different you're like wow okay well this kid came out of nowhere 25 years old at the thing at the time and blah 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 and then you just realized uh, as he's trying to get his game going and find his fight identity as he went up to the competition it, it was too much so he jumped forward too much. And now he's on the rebound backwards, and you're getting him to a more calibrated position. But at the same yeah. time, I don't want the losses to affect his confidence because it's part of who he is, whether people like it or not. And then the other part is it, he's he's just having, a, I think, a bit of difficulty, as you indicated. Like, what way do I want to fight? What way do I fight where it makes me happy and it brings out the best in me? I just don't think he's quite discovered that yet, or fully realized that yet. Anyway, look, uh,
1: if if I may slip in a question, if you don't mind, it was good to see referee Keith Peterson back in the fold after Dom Cruz's comments that we didn't even talk about in MK the other day. Just how out of character and absurd that was. If I'm Keith Peterson, though, I'm spraying on the uh, the the hooches and bitches uh, cologne every week and just be and just embracing it, though. You know, <laughs> bitches and cigarettes. That's what I smell like. I'm Keith Peterson. I, I'm just, I'm just doubling down on that.
0: Glad you're here, BC. Uh, Ricky Simone defeated Ray Borg, split decision. And he, uh, the only thing that occurred to me in this one, BC, was I thought Borg had a pretty nice boxing and, and kickboxing game. Like he was giving Simone real problems there, but the size differential.
1: Yeah, the size difference. just way I mean, look, too much. I thought it, was, it should have been unanimous and not split. I, I respected that Borg had to really empty the tank and, and figure out new ways as that fight went on to stay in it. And, you know, you give him credit. He did land some big shots. The problem is. He's landing big flyweight shots. Uh, he doesn't seem to to have what it takes to be an elite bantamweight, and this was the right win for Ricky Simón. Um, I want to talk though, you know, not to get biblical on you, Luke, because I know who you serve in the end. But uh, normally, under the precipice of the Samson and Delilah theory, when you get your hair cut off, you lose your power. Not only did he cut the mullet, he came out and fought great. And what'd you think of his excuse afterwards? Which we all been there. He said, you know, I've been on the couch lately. I want to start a family with my wife. I, you know, I had to, I had to. I had to do it. You know what I mean? Look, I mean, you know, one day, Luke, your wife's going to be like, sorry, the beard's got to go. That spicy Latin woman's going to tell you like it is, Luke, and you're going to yeah, show up on, on MK Extra, uh, you know, clean as a whistle.
0: Yeah, she usually does, but the beard is not one of her objections. Yeah, I mean, look, you got to outgrow your punk rock phase at some point if you, you know.
1: I that mean, was there his are calling some... card, though, Luke. There, that was there his are thing. Some...
0: Dude, the mullet, people pretending that they like mullets, like, really, we're going to pretend that we do this now? I mean, I didn't mind it. I didn't think one way or the other about it, but like, this idea, like, oh, mullets are so great. Sure, they are. uh, Name me how many of your friends have mullets who also have great jobs, right? Okay. Mike Pyle, that's about it. Yeah, Yeah, end of discussion. So that's why, because polite society frowns on it. All right. Joe Exotic. Yeah,
1: Joe Exotic. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Joe Exotic. Where's he? Prison. That's where you end up with a mullet, BC. Prison. Okay. Okay. Or, you know, the back of gas stations doing unspeakable acts for... Look, you're dodging
1: money. my attempts at comedy really well to keep us focused here. for well, the. Well, dude, I ball. slept I,
0: like I slept maybe 30 minutes last night. Do you understand? Like, I'm I'm hanging on. I took amphetamines before the show today just oh, so wow. I could be here. Yeah, I'm hanging on by a goddamn thread. you understand that? This is the okay. most comedy you're going to get <laughs> out of right. me.
1: Sorry about that. Wow.
0: Yeah. Uh, Andre Arlovsky defeating Felipe Linz. This was the most frustrating fight to watch. 30-27, uh, Twenty nine, twenty eight, and the reason why for me, man, it's like Felipe Lentz came out and at first, like uh, he was catching, you know, Arlovski at the end of his combinations, and then at the end of the first, he was like, bop, pop, 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 like all of them were landing, and I'm like, okay, man, he found his range, he's lighting him up, he's got quick hands. This guy came out, he, I think he won the 2018 PFL heavyweight tourney, and then Arlovski, dude, I thought I don't know who said it on the broadcast whether it was um, Cormier or whether it was Felder, they were like, Arlovski does a, this is true, Arlovski does a He's really good at taking a fight and bringing it down to his level. These older guys, man, they've got a little bit of pop left. So if he, if he cracks you, you're going to feel it. He doesn't have a ton of speed. you know. He probably has some decent timing. But what Arlovsky has that people just don't realize, and I'm going to compare him to John Jones in this sense. To me, John, Jones, I've said this before, I think his offense has deteriorated. But his defense is so good. Arlovsky has found ways to make everyone he fights win or lose. And by the way, some of those ones he was losing, like the Tuivasa fight could have easily gone his way, he just slows the fight down. He makes you exchange on his terms. He doesn't stay in range and, and get too caught up. Yeah, when he fights the Stipe's and the Francis's and the Jairs, okay, you know it's not going to work every time. But if you are not one of the top tier heavyweights, he's going to bring everything down to a level that he finds manageable, and he's going to find a way to win. You got to give him credit for that.
1: Yeah, look, I was, uh, the last decade, John had said it great on the broadcast, that so we're like 11 years into talking bad about his chin and waiting for his own sort of Liddell phase of knockout loss, knockout loss, knockout loss, retirement. Problem is, like, those knockouts are actually fewer and far between, even though I predicted Linz would kind of make a statement and come here and get that knockout. And like you said, first couple right hands, you're like, oh, yeah, he's going to get there. The problem is, you're right. We don't give Arlowski enough for the intangibles that he still holds. And that's a good gas tank, by the way, and that's a big part about why he won this fight because Linz seemed to gas in in that third round when he really needed to put something together. He didn't have it, and Arlovsky had enough volume to keep him away. But I think Arlovsky has those veteran tricks to be able to make Philippe, Philippe Linz realize... I'm going to pay a price to try to knock him out and actively win that. So when you, like you said, take him down a notch when suddenly lens is not head hunting and he's trying to win a point fight instead. Well, he's not as skilled or experienced And Arlovsky's ability at 41 to retain a lot of those skills still have confidence to go out there. He does have a lot of this sneaky decision wins Luke in during this run that have certainly kept his career alive. But, um, it's a good win, man. You know, it was tough to see lens who looked good in the first 30 seconds kind of devolve, but that's why we have these sort of gatekeepers. I mean, that's who Erlovsky is, but that's, that's a good-ass win.
0: Dude, I want you to point out here, twice in his career, he had a four-fight losing streak against Fedor, Brett Rogers, Silva, and Karatanov. Uh, his strike force run did not go well, and then he came back and won a bunch of fights. Right? He lost to Anthony Johnson, one, but still, he won a bunch, including beating Brendan Schaub, Antonio Silva, Frank Mir, and Travis Brown. Then he loses five in a row to Stipe, Overeem, Barnett, Francis, and then Marcin Tybora. And he still came back and won again. And then he lost to Tai Tuivasa, Shamil abdur The Walt Harris one was a uh, 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 no contest, but Walt had won. And then uh, Augusto Sakai, and then he came back and won. On three different occasions in his career, he's had at least a four-fight losing streak in one case five. And he still found ways to get wins. I've never heard of something like that. I've never seen that before. To have those kinds of rough patches and then still find a way to persevere.
1: And you see do you hear those those man screams that he left at, that he let out after Linz went toe on tip there and kicked him really hard uh south of the without the crowd there, you got to really feel his pain and agony, Luke.
0: You really I know you were gonna focus in on that. I know you were thinking about Orlovsky's balls all night long. Oh, stop it. Stop uh, it. He's he,
1: He's a bully beatdown alumni. Shout out to that show. Remember? I remember
0: that. That's right. So was Eddie Alvarez. Uh, Tiago Moises defeating Michael Johnson. This one kind of broke my heart, if I could be honest with you. 25 seconds into the second round. I mean, I have nothing against Tiago Moises, but I said this last night on Twitter. Michael Johnson's had a weird career. He's got, he beat up Tony Ferguson. Like you go watch that fight. Like it was not close. Michael Johnson, Michael Johnson wasn't like destroying him, but it was clear who won. He knocked out Dustin Poirier in the first round. He's beaten Andre Feely. He's got a he a, a stopped, I think, Edson Barboza. Like he's beaten he very heard good, He heard Habib.
1: He heard Habib. Habib.
0: Yeah. He's beaten and or at least been very competitive with literally the division's best. And he now has his record, I think, is either 19 and 16 or 20 and 16. He's a nearly according to Wikipedia, nineteen and sixteen. He's a five almost a five hundred fighter. And he was winning the first round BC handily until he just wasn't and everything just collapsed in an instant.
1: Yeah. Shout out to Moises for being able to turn it around that quickly, but you know, it's tough with Johnson because he has those wins that you mentioned. He always matches himself tough, but he's just short of, of being able to be elites on that regular level. I mean, look, you look great against Justin Gaethje in that war and had big moments and also got stopped and lost that fight. So uh, he doesn't take those filler fights too often in between that repad your record He seems to go for it every time out and when you do that and you're just shy of being great It's an unfortunate situation because he's much 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 better than his resume Well, I mean than his record will ever tell you and we all know that in our hearts uh, But you know, it is what it is at the end of the day You check his Wikipedia page if you don't know him and you go. Oh that guy sucks. No, he's he's really good, but he found another way to lose Luke it, it happens
0: Yeah, why is he so inconsistent? What's your theory there?
1: I don't know. You know, I don't know how he trains. I don't know his mindset well enough. You know, I mean, I think there is something to say about how hard he regularly matches himself in the fights he accepts. Um, You know... uh, Do we bite down too much on the fool's gold of how good he actually is because he finds moments against elite guys like Habib in that first round? Is he really not as good as we think he is? Well, even I don't believe that. I've seen him beat Tony Ferguson. I've seen him beat Poirier, but there is something that stops him from getting over that hill. I don't know what it is.
0: You know, it's weird. So last night you had uh, Moises drop down, single leg X, essentially, uh, well, almost a single leg X, sort of, uh, for the heel hook. And then you see the it's on the it's on the right hip of um Johnson, and so it's the left foot of Moises and he puts it in the hip and your your immediate responsibility in that moment is to hand fight right or or ankle fight I should say with your hands. he doesn't grab it and push it off. he kind of is reaching for the elbow and like behind the head of Moises, which is the wrong thing to do, and then Moises completely reaps the knee and goes all the way across, then puts the other one behind it so when what he eventually ends up doing is turning, uh, essentially, Johnson away from him. But then the tricky part was, you say, oh, well, the heel hook, you just roll with the heel hook. The problem is, if you go back and you notice, he tries to turn, BC, and the other leg of Moises is blocking him from turning. If you, have to, you, can't, if you don't block the turn, the heel hook doesn't mean, and it wasn't a heel hook, it was, a, it was an ankle lock. But the point being is, he had used the other leg to stop him. And I went back and I watched, I was like, why didn't he hand fight? It's like if someone did a rear naked choke and they're coming around like this and they're setting this up, wouldn't that be the first thing that you do? And, and I, you know, I'm not lecturing a pro fighter how to fight better. I'm simply saying they know that. Like he knows that. I guarantee you he has drilled that a thousand to- 10,000 times, BC. And that's the part that I can't quite get. That was not a new position for him. No chance yeah, that was a new position. It's
1: not obvious what his hole is. I mean, you broke down a situation there. Could he have done this? Should he have done this? It was a quick tap, and that's, I guess, what happens when you get caught that cleanly in, you know, in that type of twist. But it's tough to see. Tough to see. But, hey, give, put some respect on Moises' name for that yeah. win, though.
0: It was a nice adaptation. Last thing I'll say in this, Keith Peterson – Did a great job refing that. So you had kind of like that one tap, but it wasn't really clear for Johnson. And so Keith Peterson went over and nearly stopped it, but let it rock. And then the full tap came in later. And that might have been a little bit more injury. But to me, you got a much cleaner finish. Keith Peterson's a good referee, dude.
1: Well, you know, he likes a cleaner finish on a whiskey before the fight. So I think he went to the top <laughs> shelf this time. You know, he Stop. saw that fight much more clear. God Stop. What is Dom Cruz doing? Here's the thing. I spent all last week being like, Dom Cruz is, a you know, this mix between Tony Robbins and a TED Talk. He's the most inspirational guy ever. I'm sorry, Dom. Take the damn L. What are you doing saying that? That's not you.
0: Yeah, bro. Look, but there's not like, There's Go on YouTube and just type in Dominic Cruz trash talk. There's like a, a library of videos of him just savaging people. People forget about that. No, side I know of him. Dude, he has that He's a hardcore. He's he's gruff, dude. He's gruff.
1: No, and look, and even in this ahead of this fight on that conference call, you know, Suhudo pushed his buttons, and he did fire back with little man and those type of stuff. But he would evolved his interview game, Luke. You know this into being really about like I don't I don't dwell on losses. I bounce back because I'm so mentally focused. There's no such thing as cage rust. I mean, when he went on Ariel's, uh, you know, live thing the next day, I thought he was gonna walk this back a thousand percent. And look, he like doubled down. He was like, "Oh no! Uh, not only did he smell like uh, hooch, but uh, he smelled like horse too." It's like, "Whoa, bro! Come on!" I mean, it's kind of like,
0: really? Well, if that's the case, I want to party with Keith Peterson, bro. That's
1: what I'm saying. Somebody get Rosenthal on the horn. We'll get a little. Uh, we'll get a, <laughs> You know, we'll pass the peace pipe here. Look, come on
0: uh you go now to the prelim card any major thoughts about sajara eubanks and sarah morris who uh eubanks wins 230 27s 130 26
1: morris's nickname's awful uh eubanks Jeez physically looks stronger at 135 you know it, it was a good performance but not great i think she's still kind of figuring out you know who she could be at this weight class won't have the same advantages she thought she had you know weight class lower but I don't know, Luke. That was that was a kind of a rough fight to watch. Let's be really honest here, Luke. Okay, We're, this is what we do. We bring the truth at MK Extra. Okay, um, women's strawweight, second best division in the whole sport, seems to always bring it. Uh, featherweight's not even a division. Bantamweight division has not been deep or really good since the the fallout of the post-Ronda and Misha run. Although I mean, Nunes cleaned house. She's great, but like, it's not deep. It's not good. And flyweight, there's one fighter in there. Um, it's kind of rough right now outside of 115, Luke, and you know this, man.
0: Yeah, but I'll give Sejara Eubanks credit. I thought she fought a very clinical fight. I thought her decision making was great about what kind of things I want to go for when they materialize. How do I deal with certain forms of pressure? How do I not get overwhelmed? How do I manage my cardio? How do I advance position? She's a very talented grappler. Um, she obviously trains now with her great team, the East Coast Super Friends, with Mark Henry and Eddie Alvarez and all those guys, like she fought a very good fight. So to me, it's like if you knew her from her jiu-jitsu reputation, she had a pretty strong one. She was a very, very high level competitor, and then she came over to MMA, and you know she had some weight cut issues, she had a bunch of stuff going on, and um, I don't think she quite got onto the, she didn't quite get the lift off off the runway that was expected. Looks to me like now that she had some turbulence, but she's in a better place. So. Uh, you probably get a a clearer sense of where she's headed now that the, it seems uh, like she's a- ironing out the different pieces here.
1: I, lo- you know, yeah, I, I listen, love that, Luke. You're- listen,
0: I had to see I had to see how far I could push that. I think I took her pretty um, far. By
1: the but you know I'm right, Luke. When you watch a strawweight fight, even like a you know outside of the top ten, you're like I see talent. These other divisions, it's not just that Mandy's dominating everybody. There's no talent after the top two or three in each of those divisions. It's true, Luke.
0: You know, D.C. always made a great point. Uh, He was like, you know, what you're looking for sometimes with these crossover athletes, and when they come to MMA is, were they a lifelong athlete, right? So D.C. has been wrestling and playing football since, you know, however, and not just like playing at a high level. Ronda Rousey has been an international class judo player, a judoka, since her single-digit, certainly early teens. These are people who are lifelong athletes. So, like, from a technical deficit uh, you couldn't really tell until she fought Holly Holm. I mean, you could tell that there were holes, but part of the reason why she won was because she had this skill mastery that was not a big part of MMA generally, and especially in the women's game. And then also, dude, she was just a way better athlete than everybody, like way better athlete. I, to me, I see a better athletic pool, not just a skill pool, but a better athletic pool at 115 than I currently see at 135 pounds more generally.
1: Or one two five or one forty five or Adam weight. Maybe that's just the sweet spot for ladies in this game, Luke. Okay? I'm not Sounds talking foul. I'm being honest, all right.
0: Uh, Omar Morales defeating Gabriel Benitez. Any strong thoughts about this one? I've no, seen no,
1: we're right, we're, Luke, you got other jobs. Oh, we're running out of time. We gotta get to it. How about how about
0: part, how sorry. about how about the broadcast showing his cut open shin up close?
1: Uh You know, I know there's a lot of people that love MMA that love this stuff. I remember being in newsrooms at ESPN in like 2008 and 2009, and that dude, right? They'd be like, oh, hey, did you see that? Uh, I could see this guy's brain, or did you see that arm break in that that Kimura? Dude, I'm not into that crap. This was gross, Luke.
0: You know what? I I even said this last night. I think I'm dead inside because... You are, there you're... was there was all these reactions last night. So uh, most of them were like, "What? Gross! Get that off the screen!" Bah. And then other ones were like, you know, the Jack Nicholson nodding GIF. And then me, I felt nothing. <laughs> I had no reaction to it. I was like, "Oh, there's a man's shin. You could see his, you know, bone and vital organs and muscle tissue. That's great. I didn't even oh, look.
1: Look." When you pass, it's going to be the same thing as when what happens when people pass. People will say nice things about you on Twitter. They'll write a nice, you know, eulogy <laughs> obituary. But in their head, they'll be keeping score. And they'll be like, you know, he's actually a pretty nice guy. He doesn't get respect great at his job. But he did take his wife and unborn child to a cannibal corpse concert. <laughs> Part of him, I think, was already dead before he actually passed, you know?
0: Sounds about right. Now, this one I do, I really enjoyed. Brian Kelleher defeating Hunter Azuri. Aj- I can never say his Ooh. last name right. Azure. Uh, 340 of the second round, dude, that little dip, that little haggler dip where it looks like I'm trying to set up for a body shot and then I whip around with the left hook put him on his ass and then finished him off with a hammer fist up a weight class BC. I take yes. my hat off to Brian Kelleher. And I
1: saw your your tweet that uh former MMA beat panelists are badasses, which you know historically hadn't really been the case. Who do you think's the toughest the second toughest though, former MMA beat? Who's coming out of that cage? You or Phoenix?
0: Uh I'll give Phoenix the nod. I'm old and broken. You know, I'm sad. I'm a sad old. I'm a saddled goat tied to the barn. You know, I, I'm. I, they should just put me to put me to sleep. But I, they keep me on the, the, the property to eat all the beer cans. Uh, I'm, I'm sad. Yeah. But anyway, talking about Brian Keller, with Wagon
1: High outside the cage with a light Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. <laughs> What'd you make of the win? Pretty nice, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty nice. And moving up in weight. Look, he, he's tur- he's rebounded nicely now two in a row. He's, he's starting to put some things together. Great dude, too. So shout out to that. But, look, yeah. um, you know, we're running out of minutes. We got a UFC Jacks part three to preview here. I mean, what are you doing, right. bro?
0: And then lastly, hold on, lastly, Chase Sherman had a nice win over Villanueva. I like what he said after the fight. Like, what's it like to be back in the UFC? He's like, you ever order a 10-piece, and then they bring you that extra wing? It's like that, bro. I was like, Chase Sherman, I understand you, sir. I understand you. What a great comparison.
1: And that was a fun little sloppy fight there. I did enjoy that. Good to see Chase Sherman back. He heard his backstory of, uh, the man just wants benefits, right? He just wants medical benefits, Luke, okay?
0: All right, real quickly, so we now go to Saturday's card. We can't get into all the different pieces, some interesting ones. On the prelim card, Courtney Casey is back against uh, Mara Romero-Barella. Let's see, Kevin Holland's on the card. Mike Davis versus Giga Chikadze is a great fight. Um I'm Matt Brown versus Miguel Baezas on that fire on that card, so there's a lot to like. But we'll talk the about damage. the main.
1: Luke, the damn damage is back. That absolute yeah. dirt hole with the bad tattoo. Yeah, I love that
0: Darren guy. Darren Elkins is back. That's right. Okay, so let's go to the top. Alistair Overham taking on Walt Harris. They keep I am dying to see this uh feature that they do on Walt Harris and obviously the tremendous struggle he's been through. What do you make of what's possible here, BC? Because here's the thing if someone said to you, What what conditions should be in place for you to have the best camp? Having an unspeakable tragedy would probably not be near the top of the list. And yet, fighters are so crafty and determined that they can take a horrific scenario and they can use it to elevate themselves. What are you expecting out of Walt Harris on Saturday?
1: I'm actually expecting the breakthrough performance that this opportunity offers him. Now, he's he's what? Like, of his last five, he's like four wins, and then what, that one no contest against uh, Arlovsky that we talked about, which should have been a split decision win. This is the opportunity against Overeem, who's really that elite gatekeeper level right now, where if he wins this, I mean, he's in the conversation, the larger conversation. That's where he wants to be. But to play into the mental side that you're talking about, now look, I'm not a fighter. I I I didn't lose a child there, but you know, I had a point in my career where my wife gave birth to twins four months premature. They were in separate hospitals for almost a full year, back in and wow. out of hospitals for a year. I remember at that time, Luke, working at ESPN, just throwing myself into my career. And it was really a uh it was therapy. It was the only way to sort of stay normal. Well, I can't control all this other stuff in my life, but I can control this one thing. So I'm just going to, I'm going to cling to this and go for it. And I, I think there's a reason why you have things like Brett Favre having that incredible Monday night football game after his father died, right? Throwing all those touchdowns. When you have that type of hurt in that moment, sometimes you can bring out the best work. It's a crude comparison, but it's why the best rock albums typically come after. You know, hmm. these guys go through heartbreak and near heroin death. Luke, it's it's real. That's what happens. Okay. Oh, uh, sometimes the most beautiful art can come out of this chaos. And I think Walt Harris does have this opportunity to prove exactly who he is. He's got the size. He's the big ticket. But again, there's one thing to beat the kind of guys he has beat, and there's another thing to beat a still game 39 year old Overeem. I do. I don't um, question that Harris will have every opportunity, even with the uncertainty and all that we've been through to put on his best performance. It's just up to him to do that.
0: Yeah, and then also Isaiah Thomas for the Celtics, his uh, sister had died in a car accident. And then the next day he scored, I I forget how many, I think almost like 50 points or something. He had one of the best games of his career um, responding to it. So you're right, it's a great point. Sometimes you just see these acts of heroism. Other times though, people you know, understandably, Can't quite function. So it's going to be really interesting to see your co-main event, Claudia Gedelia, taking on Angela Hill. Angela Hill, dude, she's been on a tremendous run. But would you agree? And I think you would. Toughest test to date, by far.
1: Oh, absolutely. And this is like, like, claudia has been... Clawing and scratching to show us her what her new thing is, right? She went to she moved to Jer- she moved her camp to Jersey training with Mark Henry. Yes, yeah, she had that over random marcos, but she was still trying things out. She thought she was gonna get that close up against Alexa Grasso a few months back. Obviously, that fight fell apart the what the day before when Grasso so badly missed weight. Um Claw's just trying to show us that in her early 30s, she has evolved, she's figured out kind of like we were talking about with Tashera how to fix the things that went wrong, add some new tricks to her game. I'm really excited to see how good she looks because if you do follow her on Instagram, and no, I'm not going down the road you think I am, although I, I will if you want me to, Um, physically, she's in insane shape, Luke, and mm. she's really been working at it. This is a good opportunity. I would have flavored Klaja, obviously, before this run that Angie's been on. I still do, though. I think she's the better fighter, but... Women's strawweights, they bring it, Luke. They, they bring it. I know you don't this follow Joanna will... on Instagram. Maybe you should. Maybe we can repair that relationship, but they're going to bring it on Saturday.
0: You know, here's what I'm looking forward to in this one. I think Angela Hill has the better cardio, and Gedelia has been at the top of the division certainly significantly longer. But if you recall, she's trying to reform her style, which was just, you know, strike a little bit, but then be kind of wrestling-centric, and then hopefully you either put them away or you just don't gas in time for the bell to expire. And then she tried to have a much more reformed kind of deliberate boxing style where she was patient and took her time and it worked. It wasn't as exciting but it worked. Angela Hill has made dramatic improvements, has better cardio. Probably can't wrestle the same way that Gadelia can. But what I'm interested to see here is it, like one, what success does Angela Hill have? Two, if she does have success, does Gadelia revert back to being the wrestler? Does that even work at this point against how good Angela Hill has become? Super intriguing co-main event. The other fight and, on you know, Mark Henry's
1: it- got the codes. He's got the number system. I'm really looking forward to see if Klaja can can play in that style. And look, if she wins this, if Gedela moves on, I mean, pick the fights you want to see her in. A trilogy with Joanna would bang. How about a rematch with Andrade? How about seeing her one day against Nama Yunus? There's some big fights ahead for her.
0: Totally. And then you have Dan Ige taking on Edson Barboza. I love everything about this fight. Barboza is a guy who, you know, we've talked about guys who just don't give up on themselves after difficulty and and have uh, trying to come back you know that guy everyone i've ever talked to who trains with him and even now they're like he just i mean he does not miss a practice doesn't miss a minute of it he is in there working his balls off every time but dan Ige is the same way and we were talking about drew dober making improvements dan Ige came in and i looked at him and i certainly respected him. i was like he's a good fighter but i didn't know he was like a good fighter dude he might actually be a very good fighter this is his chance to prove to us are you that next level guy? He got a new four-fight deal with the UFC. He trains with Eric Nixick out of Extreme Couture alongside of, well, he's the same coach who trains uh, uh, Francis Ngannou. And this is, uh, this is his chance. This is his chance to elevate himself to that next level. And then for Barboza, BC, this is his chance to say, wait a second, young fella. You know, I-, I still got some work to do in this division. I'm very excited about what's about to happen here.
1: Look, this is the best fight on the card, straight up. This is the most intriguing yeah. fight on the card. Ige's five-fight win streak, but never fought somebody of this level in danger. And, and you want to talk about Barbosa as like the master of violence. I was down at ATT last year to interview some fighters, and in the middle of talking to to one of them, you hear, I hear over my shoulder like, wop, 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 like the most violent sounds you ever heard. You turn around, Barboza's in the center of the cage doing, spinning back everything against the pads at vicious speeds. And it's just like, you get that reminder in real time about just how freaking dangerous this guy is. Yet, he's moving down in weight, Luke, at 35, is it? I think he's 35 years old, mm-hmm. and he's lost four of his last six. This is either going to be new life or... You know, this could be some heavy desperation, and you wonder if Ige with the wrestling and the the high-volume style can can avoid damage but really just test test whether Barbosa was able to make that cut cleanly. It's going to be really fun to watch.
0: He's had some bad luck, too. I thought he beat Paul Felder in, in the in the rematch. You know, he didn't, obviously, in Abu Dhabi, but I thought he had. But um, still, we're going to see how much life is left in him. Uh, Eric Anders taking on Christoph Jotko. I don't have a strong opinion about it either way. The one that I've got my eye on is the opener to the card, BC, Song Yadong. Take it on Marlon Vera. Marlon Vera, another one of these guys who came in. and You're like, oh, he's one of these Latin American guys who the UFC is just sort of treating as a developmental project. But he said, you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna settle for just what people expect for me. So he moved to California, trains with Colin Oyama, one of the greatest to me. Colin, no one newer fans don't really know who Colin Oyama is, but he was the guy that made Rampage. Who Rampage was, or at least was you know, certainly part of that process. Uh, I mean, I want to give Rampage credit for his own uh, efforts, but in terms of a coaching uh, component, he is, he is. Here's I'm going to say this. I believe that Colin Oyama might be the best guy to take undeveloped talent and then turn it into developed talent when they're young. He is so gifted at that. He does it all the time with fighters you may not recognize. And I think Marlon Vera, Chito, has become something really special. Song Yadong to me, has is dangerous and athletic and powerful. But Vera went the distance trading with John Lineker. I like Vera's chances Ooh. here to show us that he is a really, really serious contender um, in that featherweight division. Yeah,
1: and he's on a hell of a quiet win streak, you know, which you just alluded to yourself, Vera. Um, you have to love what Sedong brings, though. Twenty-two years old, he hasn't lost in something like eight fights. He's like seven zero and one, and that one was that draw against Cody Stammen where you know he got docked a point. I thought he was the better fighter that night. He's one of Mr. Faber's boys, and you know, I feel like Uriah's been talking about this guy forever. Yeah, the kid's still only twenty-two, Luke. This is a hell of a good fight. Look, I'm telling you, of the three cards, obviously two forty-nine was so stacked, and I think it actually exceeded our expectations for a Wednesday night fight. Last night was really fun, but Saturday has a lot of potential to really jump out, jump out of the, uh, jump out of the womb here. Jump. What am I saying here? Throw the, throw the baby out with the, with the, with the. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, you quickly went over that uh, Christoph Jutko, uh, your, Eric, your boy, uh, Anders. They're gonna bang, Luke.
0: Yeah, it's a fine fight. I mean, again, I have nothing against it. It just doesn't, doesn't stand out among the rest of the, the card there. But as I mentioned, okay. Matt Brown coming back against Miguel Baeza. I love that. Anthony Hernandez taking on Kevin Holland. Should be fine. On the undercard, the sleeper is... What, Mike Davis is the guy that tuned up Thomas Gifford. And then Giga Chikadze, this you know international class kickboxer. That should be a hell of a contest. Courtney Casey, Mara Romero-Barella. Darren Elkins, as you mentioned, against Nate Land- Landwehr. And then Rodrigo Nascimento taking on Dontale Mays. Um, I think he's from the Contender Series, if memory serves. So there you go. Any final thoughts, BC? Um, just
1: that? that it seems to be, you know, if UFC gets through this third card in eight days without anything catastrophic, uh, well done by them. You know, they, they are bringing it back. You're seeing now what? Arizona is opening up the doors. Florida, a lot. you know, your pro sports is coming back. You know, love them or hate them, Dana was a big part of that. So I'm... I'm I'm happy to see it, Luke. We need it. Our business needs it. Uh, as long as it can be done right, this has been so much fun this week. It's been it's been crazy. We're we're putting out shows left and right. Oh, speaking of that, Luke, can we can we drop a Barry Horowitz here on our fine folks at at uh, Morning Combat Showtime Malka? Uh, we got a new show, Luke.
0: We certainly do. It airs tonight. So if you're watching this, it's uh, Thursday, May 14th, tonight on Showtime Extreme. I believe at 10 p.m. If memory serves, BC. Well, you and I. On the low, have been doing episodes where you and I we speak to Scott Coker and Mara Ronaldo about some of Strike Force's biggest fights, biggest rivalries, biggest moments. We did Thompson Melendez, we did Cormier's run through the heavyweight grand prix. We did what made Frank Shamrock one of the bigger stars yeah. of the yeah, strike think of who's
1: in that think of who's in that archive vault. You're you're talking about guys like Nick Diaz, Kung Lee. I mean, there, there's some fun stuff coming in this series, Luke. It's been a lot of fun. And don't forget about Friday. This Friday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. You want a little MK companion? How about when Showtime re-airs Mayweather-McGregor? A little fun fight to go back and watch again. Mayweather-Maidana won. Really, arguably Floyd's most exciting fight, maybe outside of those uh, Castillo fights. We're gonna be there along with them. Okay, two beer minimum. It's gonna be fun, Luke. All right, you ready? It's gonna
0: be. Yeah, we have a, we have a, a lot to broadcast today. Uh, we, we, you can check the one on Showtime Extreme tonight. And then, of course, we have The Companion tomorrow and then Saturday of the fights. So we're keeping people uh, locked on with plenty of content, plenty of analysis and insight. And then we're back on Monday, BC, for another round of the traditional morning combat show. What do you think for our first morning combat extra? I thought it went pretty good, except for my snafus that ruined things at the beginning.
1: We didn't even hear from Jay once, except I even made a Back to the Future reference. And this guy who, who made that Back in Time documentary, he didn't even chirp in on there. So it was nice to hear, you know? Jay took the yes. day off. It was
0: great. The, the sound of silence when Jay is around is is truly a, a joy. Uh, okay, BC, do, do they have any graphics for us to plug on social? I don't think that they do. Let's see. You got any graphics for us to plug? No graphics. No graphics. You got nothing. No. All right. Well, you listen. You know where to follow us. Uh, Like the video. Subscribe to the channel. Check us out at 10 p.m. on Showtime Extreme tonight. And then tomorrow, join me in BC, I think also at 10 p.m., on regular Showtime. Hey, let's watch Mayweather, Madonna, and then relive Mayweather, McGregor together. Bring a beer. Bring a glass of wine. Bring some booze. And let's have a good time. Right? Yeah, people, pretty good. Let me,
1: let me put the last bit of pressure on you people. Now is the time to subscribe on YouTube and tell your friends and, and tweet it out and say, hey, I really love this show. You should do the same because you hear the our potential right now for expansion, right? We're bulging at the seams here. So be a part of that. Get on board early. Uh, all you have to do is click subscribe, okay? I'm not asking you to get the emails or anything. Just click subscribe, okay? Do it, all right? I, I, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I want to get out of this basement one day.
0: Yeah, I agree. All right, BC, great stuff today. Um, Hope everyone enjoyed it. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll be back with you live on Friday night. Check us out on Showtime Extreme tonight. And until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.